Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be looking primarily today at one verse. I will, uh, I'll travel around to some other verses of Scripture, and I'm going to ask you to keep your pen handy, but we're really going to be looking um, at this one verse. But I want you to take notes on the other verses that we mentioned and go back this week and, uh, and look them up for yourself. Make sure that what I'm telling you I didn't get from Reader's Digest magazine or something else I've got straight from the Word of God. I want you to check me up. Make sure I'm giving you the truth of what God says. So go back and look for yourself in your Bible at what God's Word is saying to you. But we're going to start in Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 1. Throughout the book of Galatians, Paul expresses to us the great truth of the freedom we have in Jesus. And then he tells us something in the first verse of chapter 5 that just blesses my soul. And I hope and pray it will be a blessing to you as well. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. If you believe that, say amen. Jesus gives freedom to those who trust in him. He has made us free. And Paul says, stand fast in that. Don't miss out on that. Don't take it for granted. Don't get back into bondage. Stick with the freedom that Christ has given you when he made you free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Let's pray together. Uh, and then we'll get into this message. Father, we love you again. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we praise you for being a part of what's happening here this morning. Lord, we believe where you're welcome, you will be. And you are welcome right here. Have your way and have your will in me. Have your way and will in us. Lord, and whoever is hearing this message, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you would make your truth real to them. Speak to hearts and change lives. If people need saving, I pray, the Lord, that you save them. If people need uh, convicting, Lord, convict them. If people need comforting, comfort them. Lord, you know what we need. I don't know what we need. But I'm asking that you would do in the hearts and lives of people what only you are capable of. And that you would use me somehow um, to, be, um, to be your mouthpiece. To speak your truth. I can do nothing, but I realize through you, Lord Jesus, all things are possible today. Have your way and your will in this service. In Jesus' name we pray and for your sake. Amen. I've got just a short video that I want to pray, play for you this morning. Then we'll get into the message. Brother, do you have that ready? Great.
I'm so glad this morning that uh, the sound did work. He can say it so much better than I can. That brother was a uh, use of the Lord greatly and such a great speaker. But if I was going to entitle my message today, that would be it. Let freedom ring. Uh, let freedom ring to the bruised and the broken. Let freedom ring uh, to the hurting and the hopeless. Let freedom ring to the worried and the weary. Let freedom ring to those who are searching and those who are sinful. How many of you know that Jesus has offered for each and every one of us, wherever we find ourselves, freedom? He's offered for us uh, freedom from the things that we face in this life. Freedom from um, the curse that is upon all of us uh, before we met Jesus. So I'm so thankful this morning for freedom. That's one of my favorite subjects, and I can't think of a better time to speak on freedom than Memorial Weekend. I think at the heart of what we're celebrating this weekend is, is uh, that freedom is a worthy cause. Freedom is uh, a powerful force. We are remembering tomorrow some great men and women who chose to give the highest, uh, the, the, the highest uh, uh, pay the highest price for my freedom, for your freedom, for our freedom. So they thought freedom should certainly be a worthy cause. The, the American soldier has given his or her life for our freedoms, and we're so very thankful for that. But there's another one, like I said to you a minute, minute ago, that has given his life for our ultimate freedom. Now, I want to just say something to you folks. I, I'm categorizing that in two different ways because it's important that we see if all the freedom you enjoy is the physical freedom that you have as an American citizen, and you're missing out on the freedom you can have as a heavenly citizen, uh, then you really don't know what ultimate freedom truly is. See, you can have physical freedom and still not know God's peace. You can have physical freedom and still not go, know the joy of the Lord. You can have physical freedom and still not know the purpose God has for your life. You can know physical freedom and still not understand what it means to have eternal life which is abundant life. I keep telling you, I'm going to, uh, folks, uh, continue to tell you as long as I'm able that for those who don't know Jesus, you truly don't know what life is all about. You'll never really understand living. You'll never really understand purpose. You'll never really understand this gift of life until you know the creator of life. And you'll never know the creator of life until you know the Lord Jesus personally. So you need to understand we, I'm glad we got physical freedom, but Jesus has purchased for us ultimate freedom, and he did it through the shedding of his blood, through the giving of his life. And so this morning, we're going to talk about freedom. I want freedom to ring in my heart and in your heart. I want freedom to make a difference in your life, for it is a very, very powerful force, to say the least. Now listen to me, folks. I want you to get a hold of something. You need to understand and you need to know that, that freedom for us is given by and through the Lord Jesus. Galatians 5 and 1 says that very plainly. Listen to what it says there in the first verse of Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with, uh, wherewith Christ hath made us free. So that begs the question then, how has Christ made us free how is it possible that we are made free uh, because of what who jesus is and what jesus has done well jesus purchased our freedom there at the cross if you believe that today say amen the bible teaches that over and over and over and over again and so paul says 
Stand fast in that liberty. Stand fast in that freedom. Because it's Jesus that purchased it for you. It's Jesus that has made you free if you've trusted in Christ. See, this message that I'm preaching is for the believer. But now listen to me. If you're not a believer, don't turn me off. Because you can be before this service is over. You can experience the freedom that comes in Christ. The freedom um, that has made a difference in my life. That has made a difference in our life that is sitting right here that can make a difference in your life. And if you need Jesus this morning, He's available. He is ready to set you free. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I love that. I love it. Now, Jesus made us free through the cross, and that just amazes me when I think about it. How many of you know that God's ways is much higher than our ways? God's ways is much higher than our ways. God's ways is much better than our way. God does things in ways that we can't even comprehend and imagine. He does things in ways that, that we would, probably wouldn't do things. I mean, he took a cross and gave us freedom from it. He took a cross, an instrument of death, and gave us life. He took a cross, an instrument of pain, and used it to give us peace. He took a cr the cross, an instrument of shame, and used it to save us. He took a cross, an instrument of punishment, and used it to show us what our true purpose as human beings really is. He did all of this through and by the finished work of the Lord Jesus at the cross. It's Christ that's made you free. Ultimate freedom comes in Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't get no ultimate freedom. But now this morning, for us to really get a hold of what I believe Paul is saying here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, and really throughout the whole book of Galatians, all of it's talking about uh, this letter to the church of Galatia, all of it is about the freedom we have in Jesus. But Galatians 5 and 1 um, to really get a hold of this verse, we got to know what we've been set free from and what we've been set free unto, all right? So I'm going to give you three points very quickly this morning. What we've been set free from, what we've been set free unto. First of all, you need to understand, we've been set free from Satan. We've been set free unto a Savior. Now, what do I mean by that? When I say we've been set free from Satan, for those who have trusted in Jesus as your personal savior. You need to understand and know that Satan no longer has any power over your life. Satan no longer has any authority over you. First John chapter four and verse number four says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you believe it, say amen today. I do too. Praise God for that. I, don't, I no longer have to cower down at, uh, b before Satan. When, when Satan says jump, I don't no longer have to say how high. Let me tell you why. Because I've been set free from Satan and been set free unto my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's two points that I want to make to you about this for us to really see that if you've not yet trusted in Jesus to one degree or another, you are still under the authority of Satan himself. Two words that I want to give you. First of all, the first word is forces. How many of you understand there are spiritual forces at work that are keeping the unbeliever from believing on Jesus? And if you've not yet trusted in Christ, the Bible says Satan himself has authority in your life 
in that way. Let me pr prove it to you. Go to the book of 1 Corinthians with me very quickly. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And let's look at verse number 4. Watch what the Bible tells us. Watch this. It says, in whom the God, now notice the word God in my Bible, and I hope and pray it is in your Bible as well. If it's not in your Bible, we need to get you another Bible. But the word God in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 is little g. And there's a good reason for that. Because he's talking about the God of this world. Now the God of this world, we know to be Satan himself. And so watch what the Bible says concerning Satan. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, watch this now, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, there are spiritual forces at work that wants to keep you in the dark. There are spiritual forces at work that, that want to keep you from believing upon the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you personally. Do you know that Jesus died for you? Do you understand that if there would have been no other person on this earth that needed to be saved except you or except me, that Jesus would have came for us so that we might be set free from our sin? Do you understand Jesus tasted your death so that you could experience life? Now, if there's one thing the little g-god of this world, Satan himself, wants to do, he wants to keep you in the dark concerning how much God loves you and how much God himself has done for you in the person of his son. And so the Bible said there are spiritual forces at work against the unbeliever to keep them in the dark. Now I don't want you to see forces, but I want to give you another word in that. Family. Everybody say family. Now you need to understand and know that there are two spiritual families in this world. Now there's a very dangerous doctrine going around today called universalism. Have you ever heard of it? Let me tell you what the universalists teach. The universalists teach that all of us are the children of God. Regardless of whom you've trusted in, what you believe, we're all God's children. Let me say something to you folks. I know that gives everybody the warm and fuzzies and makes us want to gather around the campfire and sing kumbaya, but it's just not the truth. That's not what God's word teaches at all. We're not all God's children. Let me, let me clear this up. We are all here because of God's creative power. But we're not all God's children. The truth is God has complete authority over everything in heaven and earth. But we're not all God's children. We're here because of God's creation. We're under God's power and authority. But you need to understand and know we're not all God's children. The Bible teaches plainly that there are two spiritual families with two fathers. Go with me over to John chapter number 8. Keep your place there in Galatians 5. Look with me just a moment at what Jesus says in the 8th chapter of the book of John. Man, this is so powerful. He talks about the two families. And what he makes clear, what we need to see is that whatever family you are in is determined by the decision you've made to trust in Jesus 
or rejects Jesus. All right? You need to understand that. I love J. Vernon McGee. He's one of my absolute favorite preachers of all time, one of my favorite Bible commentators. Uh, that brother just uh, speaks truth. I did for years. He's went on to be with the Lord now. But if you listen to his messages today, it's just like he's walking the earth today. God uses him as a prophet, I'm telling you. But J. Vernon McGee said that when you boil it all down, when you get down to the lowest common denominator, we're either saints or we ain't. Either we have trusted in Jesus and become a born-again child of God, a saint of God, or you've not trusted in Jesus and you're still in your sin. And that's exactly what Jesus says here in John chapter 8. Watch verse 42. Jesus said unto them, let's define the thems. Who's he speaking to? Here he's talking to some very pious, very religious people. I'm talking about some people that were not just in church once a week or twice a week, but they were in church seven days a week. They were in the temple seven days a week studying the Word of God. These religious leaders that he's speaking to had memorized the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the law. This is how, much, how big of a student of the Word of God they were. These were very religious folks. I mean, they dressed the right way. They said the right things. They went to the right places. They hung out in the right crowds. But Jesus says to them something we must say, uh, take note of. He said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. So what is the determining factor of whether or not God is truly your father? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Now, there's, there should be evidence in your life of whether or not you love Jesus. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number 16? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Amen? If you truly love me, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And so Jesus said, if God's really your father, then you're going to love me. Look what else he says here. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Watch what he says. You can't hear my word. You can't understand my speech. You're not getting it because you don't have spiritual ears. And you don't have spiritual ears because you're in the wrong family. This is what he says. He says in verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. The desire of your father... Is what you're going to do. And these people desired to kill the Lord. And, and ultimately, physically speaking, they are the ones responsible for putting, me, putting, me on the, putting him on the cross. Now we know spiritually speaking, that's, that's on all of us. He died for the sins of all mankind. But in the physical, while he was walking here, they were the ones who incited the crowd to, cru to yell out, crucify him, crucify him. They were the ones who brought him to the Roman authorities, wanting him to be crucified. They were the ones who gave him all of the mock trials that he had to go through to, to, to ultimately lead to his death. So these people were trying to kill the Lord Jesus. And so he says, that means you're not of my father, but you're of your father. So what I'm seeing in here is that we are not all universally the children of God. They're two families with two spiritual fathers. And so to one degree or another, because of spiritual forces, a spiritual realm that we cannot see with our eyes, but is even more real than what we do see with our eyes, because of those forces at work in that spiritual realm, and because of family, 
The Bible says we're not all the children of God. The Bible says if you don't love Jesus, if you've not believed on Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and been born again, born again into God's family, you can't call him Abba Father. Jesus said here, He's from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. So what he's telling them is, there's evidence in your life because of how you feel about me and what you're doing concerning what I'm telling you that shows you're not children of my father. Jesus through the cross, sets us free from Satan. (laughs) This must not be him. Jesus, through the cross, sets us free from Satan. Now I no longer have to fear the demonic forces that come against me. Now I no longer have to fear what Satan can do to me. Now I no longer have to fear who he is, what he does, or how he does it. Let me tell you why. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Jesus lives in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. It is through the person of the Holy Spirit that the light of God is within me. And where the light is, darkness cannot be there. Light always chases away darkness. So I don't have to fear demonic forces. I don't have to fear what Satan comes at me with. As a matter of fact, the Bible says if I resist him, he has to flee. That if I draw nigh to God, God will draw Not to me. Amen? The Bible says now, I've been set free from Satan and made free unto a Savior. What does that mean? When Jesus saved me, now it's not about who I I am or, or what I want. It's about who He is and what He wants. Why? Because folks, how many of you understand my salvation through the cross, by the cross, it's always been free, but it's never been cheap. Go with me just a moment over to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Keep getting those mixed up this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look down with me at verse number 19. He's talking to the believer here and he says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. (laughs) Do you know God is in you in the person of the Holy Spirit? Again, greater is he in you than he that's in the world. Then he says, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. It's no longer about who I am, what I want. He says then in verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Salvation is free to all who receive it, but it's not cheap because it costs the precious, holy Son of God, His life upon a cross. It was with His blood that He paid the price for our salvation. We have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. We're no longer our own. We are set free from Satan, but free unto a Savior. 
Now it's about living with Jesus. Now it's about living for Jesus. Now it's about walking in the power of Jesus by the person of the Holy Spirit in you. Are you seeing these verses? So he says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's why I keep telling you. Anybody who says they've been born again, but there's no evidence of that in their life, they've never been born again. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to God. You say, Brother Rolando, you don't know my heart. No, I don't. But I do know what God's word says. And I also know that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. And even your own heart can fool you. If there's no evidence of the power of God at work in your life, changing you to be what God wants you to be by the power of the Holy Spirit, then folks, you need to trust in Jesus. You need to be set free from the power of Satan and set free unto the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we've been set free from Satan and unto the Savior. But let me give you the second one. We've been set free from sin unto sanctification. Go back to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Watch what, the, what Jesus tells some, uh, some new believers there. Man, we, we must get a hold of this. He says in John chapter 8, verse number 32. Let's just start with verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. How many of you know we all got a sin problem? We've always had... <laughs> I saw that. No point. <laughs> I saw some point... <laughs> But we, we do, and, and let me just use that a minute, brother. I, do, we have, do we have any perfect husbands, wives? Do we have any perfect wives, husbands? We got any perfect children, parents? We got any perfect parents, children? How about any perfect pastors? Got any perfect pastors? How about perfect church members? Got any of them? What I'm trying to say is we all in the same boat. When, when, if you want to talk about equality, I can't think of a better place to start than at the foot of the cross. Because at the foot of the cross, we all equal. At the foot of the cross, whether you be black, Dr. King was talking about a, little, a moment ago, whether you be black, white, Jews, Gentiles, whoever you are, at the foot of the cross, you are a sinner standing in need of a Savior. We're all equal when it comes to that. We are born into sin. We came here needing a Savior. And we've not only sinned because of our nature, but we've sinned because we, of our choice. We chose to disobey God throughout our lives and rebel against Him and go our own way. That's why Romans 3.10 says there is none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody that goes after God. We're all bent toward sin. Why? Because that sinful nature of Papa Adam. <laughs> Amen? That we were all born with. So he says now we become in bondage to sin. We become a slave to sin 
apart from Christ. But watch this. When you believe on Jesus, you are set free from sin unto sanctification. Watch what the Bible tells us. Jesus said in verse uh, number uh, 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Sin, that old sinful nature that causes you to act up and act out, Rebel against God, it does not and should not rule and reign in the life of a believer because we are, like we learned Wednesday night, we are not under no obligation to the flesh anymore. Why? We've been given a new nature. We got saved, we were born again, and now the person of the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, by the power of God, we can live in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. Now, by the power of God, we can love people that we shouldn't even be loving. We can pray for people who despitefully use us. Amen? We can live in a way contrary to a lost and dying world and be the light in the darkness. Not by our power, but by His. Why? Because we've been set free from sin and we are being sanctified. What does sanctification mean? Anybody? To be sanctified means to be cleaned up and set apart for the purpose of God. Now, I hear this all the time. Well, Jesus loves you right where you are. You're right. Praise God. That's right, but it's really only half right. He certainly loves you right where you are. Right where you are. Hey, listen. If you've got a problem with alcohol, Jesus loves you right where you are. I'm telling you. If you've got a problem with drugs, Jesus loves you right where you are. You've got a problem with religion, and you think by your own self-righteous good works, you can make yourself right with God, Jesus loves you right where you are, legalist. Listen, do you think, if you've got a problem with whatever, you name it, you name it. You fill in the blank. Homosexual, you've got a problem with the homosexual lifestyle? Jesus loves you right where you are. Liars, you got a problem? Jesus loves you right where you are. Jesus loves you right where you are. And the same grace that has saved me can and will save you. I love how the psalmist puts it. He said, my feet, I was in a pit. I was sinking in the miry clay. And the Lord reached down and lifted me up out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and establish my goal with Psalms 40. I love that. I was in a pit myself. Man, I needed the Lord. And He loved me right where I was and did for me what I couldn't do. And if He can do it for me, He can do it for you. But now let me tell you something. He loves you right where you are. But He loves you too much to leave you like He found you. For those who truly trusted in Jesus have been born again, He begins the process of sanctification. That means cleaning you up and setting you apart for the purpose of God. I grow very weary of this stuff that, you know, people say, well, Jesus loves me just like I am, and they use that for a crutch to keep living in their sin. No, that's not what God wants for you. That's not why God saved you. God has saved you to change you to be like Christ. That's the ultimate purpose. Listen, one day, my Bible says, 1 John 3 and 3, I will be just as He is. 
That's going to happen in heaven one day when I'm eternally glorified with the Lord Jesus. That's, that's going to happen when I get my new glorified body. But that process began at the moment I got saved. When does your eternal life begin? Does it, does it begin when you get to heaven? Because I think that's what a lot of people believe. Folks, your eternal life don't start when you get to heaven. Your eternal life started at the moment you believed. At the moment you were converted by the power of God. At the moment you were changed by placing your faith in Christ, right then and there, that life began in you. Life given by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now He begins the process of sanctifying you and making you more like Jesus. The process of sanctification is me becoming more like Christ tomorrow than I, than I am today. And more like Christ a few days in the future than I am tomorrow. And I'm continually growing by the power of God and the Word of God to be more like Jesus. Let me give you some scripture on that. Let's go to, first of all, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians 4, and, and look at, let's just start with verse number 3. First Thessalonians 4 and 3 says, for this is the will of God. Everybody say the will of God. How many want the will of God for your life? <laughs> Me too. You may tell you why I want that, because God's will is the best way. I've come to find that. I tried it my way so many years. I've tried it my way and doing what pleases me and what I want. And I've come to find out that don't do one thing but get me in a bigger mess that I can ever get out of. So I don't want my way. I don't want my will. I want God's will for my life. What is God's will for your life? What, what do you know to be the will of God? Well, we know right here he tells us in his precious, powerful, absolute truth, what his will is. Look what he says. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel and sanctification and honor. What he's saying is, it's God's will that you be sanctified. He goes on and he mentions fornication, but then he goes a step further. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. And let me read that in the Amplified because it will make more sense to you. Not to be used in the passion of lust like the heathen. We should not be going after the desires of the flesh, but we should be growing to become more like Christ, being sanctified each and every day, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother. You shouldn't be a thief. You shouldn't be taking things that don't belong to you. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Do you know it's stealing not to give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay? Do you know that? Do you know it's stealing? Cheating on your taxes, that's stealing, folks. I mean, I'm just telling you. I know we all want to snicker at that and think, but no, that's stealing. You shouldn't do that. You should do what's right as a child of God. What I'm trying to tell you is, as children of God, there would be a difference in our life. I'll never forget me and Brandy were remodeling our house years ago. And... Um, we had went over to Lowe's in Tupelo and bought... A whole buggy full. You know those little buggies that you push around in there and load up all your stuff on? We bought a whole buggy full of crown molding to go in our house. I don't know if any of you have bought any crown molding. Um, Y'all have, haven't you? 
I don't know if any of you bought any crown molding in, in the, in the uh, recent past, but man, that's some expensive stuff. We get up there, and, I, and, and our total, whenever she rang it up the first time, I, I guess was some, something around $200, I believe is what it was. But I noticed the young lady who was ringing it up didn't even ring up a whole right side of that buggy. There wasn't nothing there. I mean, there was something there, but she never touched it. She, she just rang up the left side of the buggy. And so it rang up almost 200 bucks, and I sat there thinking, she didn't even see that. I could save a whole lot of money if I just rolled this baby right on out. And I'm so thankful that God the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh. That ever happened to you? When God the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh. How about, when, how about when somebody says something smart to you? And man, you, you come back with a good comeback in your head. All of a sudden, you're like, I'm fisting to get him. And, and God the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh. You ever, ever happened to you? Happened to me on Facebook. I, I keep Facebook to keep my blood pressure up. I got to have something to keep my blood pressure up. Because I was on there this week. And I, man, I had a, such a good comeback for this smart mouth little kid on there. And I was fixing to slam him with it. And God the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh. That ever happened to you? That ever happened to you, husbands and wives? God said, uh-uh, don't, don't do it. That's not how we operate. That's... Praise God for that. That's evidence that God the Holy Spirit is in you doing the work of sanctification. And so I, I looked at that young lady standing in the Lowe's checkout line. And I said, ma'am, I think you forgot, left all the rest of this. You didn't get all this over here. She said, oh, I'm sorry. Let me get it. So she goes over and rings it up and it ended up being about 450 bucks that we spent on crown molding. Now let me tell you what I've heard happen in the, pa in the past. I've heard this, this might take place. Something like that happens. Say, boy, God blessed me today. I got out of there and didn't even have to pay for half of this molding. No, God ain't blessed you for that. You stole that. <laughs> you stole that. So he says here, don't defraud your brother. God will, start, God, will, God will be cleaning you up by the power of the Spirit to be more like Christ. Now that, that's, that happens through the work of the Spirit, but also through the truth of the Word of God. Sanctification is an amazing thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, let's look over there. 2 Corinthians, you can write it down, you don't have to look if you don't choose to, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Watch this. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Praise God. <laughs> That's true in a collective sense, but also true individually. Absolutely, man. I love when you come, and you may hear preachers talk about this sometimes, there's freedom to preach. You know what I love about this church? There's freedom to preach. God the Holy Spirit just does something. I mean, I get to share my, share my heart with you. What's burning in my heart? A lot of places that I've been to, it's not like that. It's like you got to just drag it out of you. It's like there's a heavy burden or a weight on you when you're there. There's a different spirit is what I'm saying. I'm thankful there's a good spirit. I'm thankful that we've got a, a spirit of liberty, a spirit of freedom. Now that's not nothing to say about us. We just praise God for it. I, I just ask that you keep being desperate for that. I ask that you keep praying for that. 
I ask that you take, don't take no for an answer. You keep banging on heaven's door every Sunday morning saying, God, we need you. We get to have you. Lord, if you don't show up, we're sunk. If you don't do the work, the work's not going to get done. God, if you don't save souls, souls ain't going to be saved. God, if you don't change families, families are not going to be changed. If you don't break addictions, addictions are not going to be broken. We need you, Lord. Do you know we need him? Oh God, if you don't start doing a work on me, I'm not going to become more like you. Amen? I need you, Lord. I need you just as much today as the day you saved me. He says, verse 18, But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory. To glory. I believe that glass that he's looking at here is God's word. And I wish I had time to go further into that. James says a little bit of something of the same thing in James chapter 1. But um, man, this is so good. He says, when we look looking into this glass, we behold the glory of the Lord and a change of the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. From glory to glory we are changed. We're becoming more and more and more like Jesus. The book of Isaiah says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. We glean from Scripture God's truth and then we rest in and rely upon God's power to do the work. Amen? So when I look in here and I see that I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church, I say, God, Holy Spirit, help me to do that. When I say I'm supposed to raise up my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, I say, God, Holy Spirit, help me do that. When I see in here that I'm supposed to be instant in season and out of season and preach the truth of the Word of God, I say, Holy Spirit, please do that. When I see that I'm supposed to be witnesses unto the Lord in my Jerusalem, my Judea, my Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I say, God, Holy Spirit, help me do that. When I see I'm supposed to love people like Jesus loves people, God, Holy Spirit, help me do that. Are you seeing this? We glean from God's truth in His Word, then we rest in and rely upon God the Holy Spirit to do the work. He loves you too much. To leave you like he found you. Not only are we set free from Satan unto a Savior. Listen, we are set free from sin unto sanctification. Let me give you the last one. We are set free from condemnation by the law. And we're set free unto justification by grace. If you're missing out on Wednesday night Bible study, shame on you. Let me just go ahead and say this. If you're missing church still, shame on you. Oh, brother Israel, we got the coronavirus. I'll tell you what, just pretend like you're at Walmart. Pretend like you're at Walmart. Come on to church. I ain't going to hug your neck. I ain't going to shake your hand if you don't want me to. If you want to shake hands and you want to hug necks, I'll hug your neck. My gosh, I'm so sick of this junk. I'm just saying. It's amazing to me. We can go everywhere else, but we can't come to church. Hey, we, we, can, go to, we can go to the mall. 
Galleria opened two weeks before churches did. I was, you know why we opened two weeks early? I'll tell you why we opened two weeks early. I was at Walmart and seen four church members. Four. Walking around at Walmart. There's 500 people in there. I hope and pray that one day we have to have a sanctuary that'll hold 500 people. Right now we don't. I hope that we get to that point. But if you can walk around 500 people at Walmart, surely you can come and be around 150 people at church. Are you getting me? Come on, man. Let's get real with this thing. Let's be the church. Let's trust in the Lord. We're set free from condemnation by the law, free unto justification by grace. You see, the law is not a bad thing. The law is perfect and holy and righteous. We've been studying a whole lot about this in the book of Romans on Wednesday nights. That's where I was at before I just lost my mind right then. <laughs> it needed to be said. I had to say that. So, so I'm just saying... Um, Book of Romans tells a whole lot about the the curse of the law and what we have because of grace. And, and, and Romans tells us the law is perfect and holy and righteous and just, but the only problem with that is it's perfect, holy, righteous, and just, but then it shows us we certainly are not. That's why the, the scripture tells us in Galatians 3 and verse number 24 that this law, the word of God, becomes our schoolmaster that brings us unto Christ. It teaches us how much we need grace. The law condemns us and shows us our sinfulness. The law says, thou shalt not lie. Anybody never told a lie? Anybody? I remember one time I was in Macon, Georgia, witnessing this older lady, and I couldn't get her to say she had never told a lie. I knew when she raised her hand and said that she had never told a lie, that was just a, one of the many that she had told. I knew it. Because we've all done it. It may be a little white lie, but you've told it. Uh, just, hey, listen to me, folks. I want to tell you. It's hard to get people to see their need for a Savior. And so, anyway, the law shows us that, though. It, it has to be a work of the Spirit that does that, I'm convinced. God has to show you how much you need Jesus. God has to show you your helpless, hopeless state. Because most people just think they're okay. They gauge themselves by the dude down the road, by the guy they work with, by the preacher that, that, that run around on his wife, or by the deacon that didn't do what he was supposed to do at the church. They say, man, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than those people. You ever heard them folks? I hear them all the time. Ask a man to come to church last week. I ain't going to church with a bunch of hypocrites. Again, you go to Walmart with them. You go to the ball game with them. Go to the grocery store with them. Go to the doctor's office with them. Come on to church with them. Come on down here with all these hypocrites and let's get a hold of the grace of God and get right with Jesus. We all hypocritical to some degree. Amen. So anyway, God's law shows us how lost and undone we really are. It condemns us. But now watch. God's amazing grace justifies us before God who is holy. What does it mean to be justified? Anybody? 
What would you say, brother? To be made right. To be considered righteous before a holy God. Evie Hill, great pastor from Los Angeles, California, said years ago, I'll never forget it, I was at a Bible conference, and he said to be justified means just as if I'd never sinned. When I trusted in Jesus, I was justified freely by His grace. Everybody take your Bibles this morning. Everybody take your Bibles. And look with me in Romans 3. Verse number 24. Watch this. Being justified freely. Everybody say freely. If it's not freely, it's not grace. He says justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are justified by God's grace, His unmerited favor toward us. Amen. Set free from the condemnation brought by the law. Free unto justification. That comes by grace. When God sees me, he no longer sees me as a lost sinner, but as a saved son. He sees me as the righteousness as his son Jesus. Why? Because that righteousness of Christ has been imputed to my heart and life by faith. Amen? Ain't God good? Ain't God good? Let freedom ring in your heart today. Do you know you can have Jesus? Do you know he's not hiding from you? Do you know you can have Jesus? That he's not hiding from you? Freedom can be real to you today. Ultimate freedom that comes by faith in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We need you. And I'm praying that you use this message to accomplish your goodwill and purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother, come on up. Play a song of invitation for us. This morning, I'm going to invite you to do...